Grab your Bibles, come on in. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Um, Often seen as quite a controversial passage, uh, but I'm trusting that the Lord will bless us. We've been going through this series in Ephesians and I've been absolutely loving it. Um, It's been challenging, it's been affecting us. And I love how Christ-centered and gospel-centered Paul is, even when he's giving all these really practical commands and it always comes back to the gospel, comes back to Jesus as the the one who unites heaven and earth, the one who's bringing all things together. And as we're going to see today and over the coming weeks, Jesus is at the center and the foundation of all of our marriages and our families. And he gives, you know, his gospel reality affects everything that we do um, from, you know, our our husband-wife relationships, our parent-child, working, everything. So, you know, I hope you've been blessed by Ephesians. I'm going to figure out where we're going to go in a couple of weeks when we're finished. The plan is to get into the book of Matthew, but whether or not we start that straight away, we'll see. Um, So if you've got your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Last week, we looked at sort of a broader message on, you know, we talked about, you know, the Christian family is like putting the jigsaw pieces together. But before we put the pieces together, we want to get the big picture of what is a vision of a Christian home? What are we actually trying to get done in the world? Um, And we saw from Genesis through to Revelation that God's plan is for our families to be ordered, um, to actually have an order system so that they can be fruitful and actually make beautiful things happen in the world, and then to be a force for the global glory of Jesus. And as we come to today, we're going to be seeing how some of those pieces fit together into that bigger puzzle. Um, Particularly today, we're going to see how the, the, the picture of wives fit into the piece of the puzzle. I started writing my sermon this week and I had a plan to do husbands and wives, the whole passage. And then I started writing it Friday afternoon to finish it off. And I was like, wait a second, I've got a whole sermon just for this one section. So we're going to slow down a bit and just just look at the wives. Uh, And so that's what we're going to read now. Ephesians chapter five. And just remember that this comes in the context of, um, you know, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. What does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? We sing psalms, hymns. We give thanks in all circumstances. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is what submission looks like. Um, Verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then jump down to verse 33. Let each one of you love his wife as himself, And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I pray and ask that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come to these passages on family and order and hierarchy, often it can seem a little bit chafing, a little bit uh, restrictive, a, a bit of a burden. Why? Why does God have to tell us how to order everything? And and particularly, why does he give these commands which can seem so 
you know, hard and unequal and burdensome and hierarchy and power. We don't, we don't like those kind of feelings or those kind of words or those kind of ideas. And so it can be a bit of a like, oh, is this really meant to be in the Bible? Is this, you know, I thought Jesus came to set us free, you know, for freedom, Christ has set us free, but now we're saying submission and order and hierarchy. Um, as I was thinking about um, how to kind of think through this this week, I, I read somewhere about this image of, imagine um, two ladies in particular, say two ladies um, going to go skydiving. Okay, so let's call them Mindy and Cindy, just so it's confusing. Uh, so Mindy and Cindy are going to go skydiving and they, they go to the ground level and the instructor says, okay, we're going to go skydiving. It's going to be awesome. Just imagine what it would be. Sorry. First of all, imagine we're not in coronavirus and you're allowed to do things again. Okay. Now come back to Mindy and Cindy on the ground. You're allowed to do stuff. They're training. They come and the guys are, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go skydiving. And to do that, you got to put on this pack and you got to do these particular things and tighten the straps and you've got to parachute. And when you jump out of the plane, you pull this cord. And when you pull the cord, you know, you get safe and you can float all the way down to the ground. It's going to be great. Now, I know the pack is really quite heavy and it's really uncomfortable. But once you're up there and flying and once you're out there floating, you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. So you jump on the plane, Mindy and Cindy, and they're sitting there. And, you know, Mindy just thinks, oh, man, this pack is so frustrating. You know, surely, like, there's got to be a better way. Surely we can do this differently, you know. And then Cindy is also sitting there going, oh, this is so burdensome. Like, it's cutting in and it's so heavy and I just can't get comfortable on this old plane. And so what Cindy does is she actually says, you know what, I'm not entirely sure the instructor knows the best way to go skydiving. So she unbuckles her parachute, she takes off the pack and, oh, she's like, oh, I've just got a bit of freedom. I've got a bit of relaxation, a bit of liberty here. And so Mindy and Cindy are sitting there and Mindy's looking on at Cindy going, oh man, Cindy looks so free. Like this looks like just so enjoyable. And should I really keep my pack on? But then she's got the, the trainer's instruction in her head. She's thinking, oh, what should I do? Anyway, they're, they're flying up and above and, you know, Mindy's kind of hunched over. She's a bit sore. And Cindy's there having a pina colada, just relaxing. And then suddenly the, you know, the pilot says, all right, ladies, it's time to go. And so Mindy kind of gets up slowly with her pack and she walks to the edge of the plane and Cindy jumps up. She's ready. She's like, whoa, this is going to be awesome. The, the light's red. Then it goes green. Both the ladies jump out of the plane and Cindy, you know, just is loving life. She's flying. She's zooming everywhere. Mindy is flopping around going, oh, this is crazy. And then Mindy, you know, finally pulls the lever and the parachute flies out and she's floating. And suddenly the world stops and you can see horizon to horizon. She can see the beauty of the world. Meanwhile, she looks down at Sydney, Cindy and Cindy is free, definitely. She's very, very free. But Cindy's about to find her freedom in a gravitational mess at the bottom of the ground. When we think about the way that God has ordered and structured our lives, and particularly our marriage relationships, at times it can feel like a burden and a restriction. It can feel oppressive even. And when you're up on the plane, you're kind of looking at it going, is this really what it should be like? This is good? But it's not until you actually jump out and experience the freedom that can come from restrictions that you see the intent behind the designer. And that's where this passage fits into us today. And we're gonna to see how it fits to husbands in next week. 
But what we're going to see is that true freedom, true flourishing comes from restriction. True freedom can only blossom in the field of restriction, um, in the field of order, in the field of, you know, submission, if you want to use that word. And we saw last week that in order to have a fruitful family, we must have an ordered one. There has to be order in order to produce fruit. Otherwise, you have freedom, but you have wild shoots going everywhere and there's no focus to it. And so the reality of order is that it restricts us and it's hard. The freedom of skydiving with no parachute is short-lived and messy. But the freedom of putting up with uncomfortable pack straps and training enables you to truly fly and float through the air. And this is indeed what Jesus has already told us about being a disciple of him, that the way up is actually down. Read in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus teaches here that to live, we must die. To flourish, we must submit under the weight of a cross. And this upside down principle applies to all the Christian life. And here we're going to see how this upside down principle applies particularly to wives. And then next week, we're going to see how it applies particularly to husbands. In order to truly flourish, we must die to ourselves and live for Christ. For husbands and wives, there is an equality of sacrifice that's demanded of us in order to flourish. So there's an equality of sacrifice but there's not an equality of activity or role. We are both called to lay down our lives sacrificially and die to ourselves. But for wives, it looks like one thing. And for husbands, it looks like another thing. And so we're going to look this week at what it looks like for a wife to lay down her life to her Lord Jesus Christ and lay down her life for her husband. And then next week, we're going to see the same thing for the husbands. So the main point is this. It's going to flow across a couple of weeks. To truly flourish as families, we need to embrace our God-given roles and practice our God-given duties, no matter how kind of restrictive or, or burdensome they may feel. So today there's two points as we jump into this passage. Number one, wives are called to respectful submission. Oh, sorry, wives are called to embrace respectful submission. And point number two, wives are called to practice respectful submission. That's our two points for today. And for everyone else listening in who isn't a wife, um, let me just say that this passage applies to everyone. Because if you're, if you're a single lady and you're hoping one day to be a wife, uh, this is training for you. It's also training for you how to help the other wives in our church know how to live for their husbands. 
for single guys, this is training for you because it teaches you one day what you're going to have to teach your wife to do and how you're going to have to lead her. And for husbands, it's actually training for us as well because any command that's given to our wives is actually we're responsible for too. And so we need to know what it looks like for a wife to worship Jesus by submitting to us, as awkward as that may seem. We're actually responsible to make sure and see that that happens. So for all of us in the church, this is a message that's applicable to us. So let's jump in and into point number one and see what all this command is about. Point number one, wives are called to embrace respectful submission. So how does the, the wife piece fit into the jigsaw puzzle of the Christian family? Well, we saw that we're all called to submit to one another, but each different family relationship has a, has a particular role and order and hierarchy, which is why God, um, Paul and God addresses each of the, the, the person at the bottom of the chain, so to speak, at the beginning of each set of things. So you've got wives submit to husbands, children submit to parents, and slaves submit to masters. And so that's why we're dealing with wives first and then husbands next week. So let's read our little passage again, chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. As we read this passage out loud, depending on our background, it may just even hurt to hear it read. It may cause a little flutter of anxiety and panic. I mean, it's so countercultural. It's so counter the Western uh, mindset that it's sort of like, oh, it's embarrassing to read it. Um, I can't imagine, or maybe you could imagine, what would it be like at your next family gathering to read that um, at the family meal? Um, what kind of shock and you know anger perhaps would it would it bring up? For those of you at university, could you imagine sharing that with a friend and saying, hey, I just read this on the weekend. What do you think of this? You know, it's going to, you know, maybe the police are going to be called. Who knows what's going to be happening? Um, and so for some of us, you may be very uncomfortable right now, fearful, sick, anxious. But for some of us, we've been in a part of Sovereign Grace for a long time. We've heard this message a whole number of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complementarian theology. I get it. I believe it. I do it. But as we're going to see today, what we need to do is pay particular attention to the text to see what the text is really saying. Because it's possible, it's possible that we don't actually understand it as it is in the text, whether we've heard it a hundred times or it's the first time. So let's jump in and unpack this command and see, are we really listening and are we really living like this? So verse 22, the command. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. First thing to note is that wives, uh, this is addressed to wives, not to all women everywhere. So we just got to, the, 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 the subject of the command is to wives, okay? Secondly, the command is that wives are to submit. What does that mean? Well, it means exactly what you feared, to submit. <laughs> you know, there's no way around it. There's no linguistics. There's no kind of obscure Greek reference that can make it mean, actually, 
wives lead. Um, you know, it's not like that. The word submit means to be under, to go underneath, to be subject to the authority of someone else, um, to be ruled, to be led. There's no ducking on this one. But biblically defined, um, this is not an ugly and rude word. In fact, submission is beautiful and freeing when understood properly. Listen to this definition of submission by John Piper and Wayne Grudem in their very long but insightful book, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Submission refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. It is not an absolute surrender of her will. Rather, we speak of her disposition to yield to her husband's guidance and her inclination to follow his leadership. So let's leave, leave the quote on the screen there because I just want to unpack it a little bit because they've, they've taken all the text in the Bible and they've done what I think is a really good definition that kind of brings all the elements together. Because um, this word submit doesn't just occur here in Ephesians. It's Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3, Titus 2. It's the pattern in Genesis. It's, it's all throughout the Bible. And they've taken it and synthesized it. So what does it mean to submit? Well, first, to honor and affirm her husband's leadership. To honor and affirm it. That means to see him in that position of leadership and think, you know, this is his job. This is his role. I honor him for the job that he's doing, the task that he's been given, and I affirm he is my leader. That's what it means to submit. Secondly, though, it means to help carry it through. So wives are not to submit like robots in a machine, but as helpers like Eve in the garden. Adam was given a job way too big for him to handle, so God said it was not good, so he gave him Eve. So Adam's the head, he's the leader, he's got a job to do, he can't do it on his own, he needs a helper. So he leads and she helps him get it done. This is not like equality and equal, it's just saying that he's not good enough, he needed a woman. He didn't just need a pretty thing to look at, he needs an amazing, creative, intelligent woman to get the job of subduing the earth done. So to be submissive is not to just say, yes, sir, you know, and do exactly and kind of be a robot. It's to help him get his vision done in the world. And so what they do is they describe it like this. It's a, not an absolute submission because we only absolutely submit to the Lord, but it's an inclination to follow. So submission is a disposition of the will. It's I'm leaning in towards my own husband. I'm leaning in. And I have a disposition to yield to his leadership. So rather than fighting or arguing or, you know, trying to boss or whatever it is, it's actually, I'm, I've actually bent my will. I've died to myself. I've, you know, I've surrendered myself to the leadership of my husband. It's a, it's a really good definition, I think. And it helps kind of paint and broaden out the canvas a little bit more. So to submit is to gladly go under the leadership and authority of your husband. To gladly go under the leadership and authority of your husband. But note this. So it's wives submit to who? 
to your own husband. This isn't a general principle of women everywhere have to submit to every man. No, it's in the house relationship. In the household, a wife is to submit to her own husband, not to anyone else's husband, to her own husband. What does that look like? Well, keep reading. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So as you would obey Jesus and submit to his leadership, so you are to have that same style of deference, honor, and respect for your husband. Your submission is as to the Lord. As you submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, not, you're not to worship your husband, but in the same way that you are like, Lord, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. I, your word, your vision, I'm going for it. That is what it means to submit to your husband. And even we see in 1 Peter 3, strikingly, he even applies this command of submission to wives who have an unbelieving husband. This is how kind of radical this view is. So what does your submission to Jesus look like? If you are radically submitted to Jesus, then you apply the same position to your husband. If you're not yet radically submitted to Jesus, then may I put it to you, submit unto your Lord Jesus Christ first, and then out of that, follow your husband. So how much does this affect our lives? Well, look at the end of verse 24. As the church submits to Jesus Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Yep, that is there. Those words are there. In everything. Now, this doesn't mean, I believe, that every single thing that your husband says you are to do, you are to do it. Uh, Because if your husband tells you to sin, you are not to obey him. Uh, You're not to submit to that. Uh, But it means that in all spheres of life, in every kind of facet of life, in the whole household, his vision, his leadership, his direction is what sets the tone and the pace for the whole home. And so in everything, wives are called to submit. And then finally, at the end of verse 33, at the end of this section, after Paul, you know, drives the sword into the husbands multiple times and says, love her like Christ loved the church, it says this, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And that's why I said that wives are called to embrace respectful submission. Because it's possible to submit to your husband, as to the Lord, you know, in everything, with a bad attitude, with a grumbling attitude, with a revolting attitude, in a way that's not true submission. But actually, the calling of the wife is not only to say yes, but to say it gladly, to show honor and respect and deference to her husband because he's given the God-given and ordained role as head of the home. And that respect is not a passive thing. It has to be actively given. It has to be actively demonstrated in your face and in your body language and in your heart. It's a high and holy calling. It's not angry or rude or dragging your feet submission. Just like with your kids, if you ask them to do something and they throw back their head and go, Oh, that's not submission. You know, that's just obedience. Uh, But true submission is a respectful, honoring, deference, and inclination to follow.
So if you put it all together, you put all the commands together, you get this is addressed to wives. The call, the command is to submit respectfully to their own husbands as they would to the Lord Jesus Christ in everything. It's an incredibly broad and high and holy and hard calling. Um, it's, it's, you know, this is not for the faint-hearted. And this is incredibly difficult. And so people look on at this, and many theologians have tried to get out of this and tried to say, oh, this isn't actually what the Paul meant. This is ancient. This is archaic. It's outdated. It's unjust. It's unequal. You know, isn't this just cultural? So why should a wife submit to her own husband? Well, Paul gives the reason in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. You see here that headship is grounded in creation. The husband is the head. God has instituted that role, responsibility, and calling to the husband. But it's defined by the gospel. Just like Christ is the head of the church, so the husband is the head of his bride. Or just like Christ is the head of the church, his bride, so the husband is the head of his home, his bride. And so we see that this command isn't grounded in first century Roman culture, in, you know, the patriarchy and in, you know, all that old style. It's grounded in creation and defined in the gospel. And so therefore, this command is transcultural, and it applies to us in the 21st century, even if no one else in the world believes it. It's not based on culture. It's based on God's created order and referenced in the gospel. And note too that the headship of a husband isn't a command. It's stated as a fact. The husband is the head. Whether he is a good head or not is up to the husband, but he cannot escape his role as the head. He will either be a good head and lay his life down for the good of his body, or he will be a bad one, an absent one, a passive one, an abdicating one. But he can never escape his role as the head because it is transcultural, rooted in creation and defined in the gospel. And so some may think, oh, this is you know, ugly and demeaning and, you know, this hierarchy implies that one is, as, you know, not as good as the other. Um, to that, I would just quote G.K. Chesterton, um, 20th century Catholic scholar, poet, wit, who said this, If I set the sun beside the moon, and if I set the land beside the sea, and if I set the flower beside the fruit, and if I set the town beside the country, and if I set the man beside the woman, I suppose some fool would talk about one being better. So wives are to submit because it's grounded in the order. We can't get out of it. And verse 24 expands on that and gives us an example of what their submission is to look like, to summarize. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. In the same way that we as Sovereign Grace Church Parramatta look to Jesus, embrace Jesus, love Jesus, affirm Jesus, in that same sort of manner, you as a bride are to affirm 
and look to your husband. So that's point one. Wives are called to embrace respectful submission. Wives are called to embrace respectful submission. The command is clear and broad. It's grounded and it's exemplified by Christ and the church. And why? Why do we do that? Well, to flourish as families, we need to embrace our God-given roles and practice our God-given duties. And to that second half, we turn now in point number two. Wives are called to practice, that means to do, respectful submission. You see, it's not good enough to just merely have this as a, a theological box that we tick, you know, oh, I'm complementarian or, you know, etc. I believe this, but actually it has to get done in our lives. It has to be a lived reality for the flourishing and the blessing to come. To come. We actually have to keep the pack on when we jump out the airplane. Otherwise, when we actually jump out of the airplane, even if we believe that pa- your parachutes help us float, if we're not wearing it, it's not going to help us as we hurdle to the ground. So if you want to flourish as a wife, if you want your family to flourish under God's good word and his good order, we have to put it, the practice of respectful submission into order. So I'm going to give a bunch of application points now, um, and I'll try and go through them fairly briefly. Obviously, we can't cover everything, but I want to try and help. What does this kind of, this high, you know, calling, what does this look like in the practice? So there's six of them. So we'll try and be brief. Number one, respectful submission, respectful submission is to be embraced as a beautiful and good reality. So this is God's good word to us. This command to submit to your husband is a gift from God to you. It's outrageous and scandalous to say in our culture. Question for you ladies, and especially the wives, have you embraced this as your role and calling? Have you embraced this as a gift from God? Now, obviously you can't, you know, it may be hard. It may be, you know, oh, I don't know how this all works. So you may be thinking about maybe, oh, maybe if I had a different husband, it would be easier <laughs> to embrace this, you know. But wherever you're at in your covenant with your husband, in your station and stage, have you embraced this as a gift from God? Because this is God's best for you. This is not a result of the curse. Oh, now men are dominant and abusive. So women, it's just easier if you submit and just be quiet. That's not what this is. This is pre-fall. This is God's best. This is what Adam and Eve would have been doing until now if they never took the fruit. How is it a gift? How could we embrace such a reality? Well, one, one way you could embrace it is this. If he is the head and you're the helper, it means that all the weight, all the responsibility, and all the accountability of the family is on his shoulders. You don't have to bear it. You don't bear the weight of leading the home. And we're going to see next week what a heavy and burdensome weight that is. And so in some ways, to to submit under leadership, though it is death to self, It is actually a gift because it's something you don't have to carry anymore. You don't have to stress about. You don't have to, you know, stand before God and give an account. He does. And so you can receive submission as a gift, your role as a helper as a gift, 
because it means you don't have to do that other really, really, really difficult role. And however much it may sound like wives in this verse are squashed and kept silent, instead, submission frees wives up to take all their creativity, imagination, gifts, skills, and intelligence, and to focus that into their home relationship and into their husband and their family and to in order to see their home flourish. So rather than a restriction, yeah, it is a restriction. It means kind of follow where he wants you to go, but it doesn't mean you restrict all your gifts and abilities and creativity and amazingness. You, you apply that now into your submissive role as a helper. Okay, so you don't squash who you are and all the gifts God's given you. You now apply them in this focused way. And so embrace it as a gift. Embrace the gift of God-given focus that your husband ought to give you. Point number two. So that was respectful submission is to be embraced. Number two, respectful submission is particular. Respectful submission is particular. We said earlier that you submit to your own husband and no one else's. This means you're to focus your respect and honor to what he decides, to his plans, to his vision for the home. And this means that your submission as a wife will look very different to another wife's submission. It means Maddie's submission to me looks very different to Reb's submission to Richard because Richard and I are very different people. And so what I'm trying to get done in my home may be very different to what Richard's trying to get done in his home. And therefore, the submission of Maddie and the submission of Reb's should be particular to their husband and their home. And so your main focus is not to be doing, you know, not looking around like, oh, what is she doing? Oh, I better do what she's doing because she seems like a really great wife. But actually to be thinking, what does he want me to do? What does my husband want to happen in our home? And so our, the, the wifely submission is to be particular to your own husband, not to the books we read, the articles we read, uh, the podcasts we listen to, but it's particular to the God-given head you have been given. And so it ought to reflect his interests and his personality and his you know, leadership. So respectful submission is particular. Number three, respectful submission is very broad. Sometimes we reduce this command of submission to only negative scenarios, i.e. submission means when we disagree, he gets the swing vote, okay? And that's all that submission is. It means like we kind of live our lives, but if we come up and butter heads, you know, I guess I go under and he, you know, he wins, you know? And it's unfortunate when we view submission like that because it painted in such negative terms. As we've already seen, submission is part of following his leadership, taking your gifts and making it flourish. But remember that submission is a disposition and an attitude that also applies to every facet of the life of your family. So his leadership extends into the marriage relationship, into sex, into money, into work, into kids, into the education, into the home and decoration and structure, into parties how you do your social calendar, um, your shopping, clothing styles, and preferences. Now, it sounds really controversial to say things like that, but what does in everything mean if it doesn't mean in everything? So it's not necessarily that the husband rules and decides every detail of the home, 
but that your disposition and inclination is to follow and make happen what he envisions. It's not a card that he plays when there's a fight. Well, I'll submit, you know, I get the swing vote. It's a disposition that extends to every aspect. And so you can be leaning in and asking your husband, how would you like this? What would you like to happen here? How would you, you know, how would you like this to happen? And so you start asking questions and then you start submitting under what he desires. So for example, say your husband is an introvert and you are an extrovert. So your inclination is to fill the calendar every week with a hundred things. And his inclination is to clear it, is to press delete on everything. So that's going to cause tension and friction. To be a respectfully submissive wife, before you jump in and put everything in the calendar, perhaps you can ask and say, hey, I'm thinking we do this with these people. What do you think? And when he says, look, I'm really tired or I don't want to do that, you say, okay, we won't. Maybe we can do it another time. That's what respectful submission can look like. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, for the next 30 years, you have zero things on your calendar. <laughs> you can ask questions and you can ask, you know, can, maybe can we chat about this with someone else and things like that. But respectful submission looks like submitting your will and desire to his. And so for some of you, you're like, whoa, what is going on? This is not the church I signed up for. Uh, but remember, we submit to our husbands as we submit to the Lord, as the church submits to Christ in everything. But I know what you're thinking, um, and there's a much needed caveat to this. So number four, respectful submission is not absolute submission. I already mentioned it briefly, but I want to make sure it's heard clearly. You do not submit when your husband asks you to sin. So if your husband asks you to cheat on your tax return or to look at porn with you, you say no. You say it with a respectful tone, but your submission is absolute to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may not sin because your husband asks you to. But let me also say this. There is a difference between asking to do something sinful and being asked sinfully to do something. What I mean is this. It's very rare, I think, that a husband in our church and context is going to come home and say, honey, let's turn on the porn before we have sex. That's probably very unlikely to happen. But what's more likely to happen is a husband is going to rudely ask you to do something which isn't sinful. So what do you do then? Because he asked with a sinful motivation, does that mean you don't do what he asked? Well, I actually think that this text is saying that even if a husband asks with a sinful, rude attitude, Respectful submission still does it if it's not a sinful thing to do. So the kind of caveats there. So this is, that's not a loophole to be like, well, he asked with a bad attitude. I don't have to do it. No, no, no. If he didn't ask you to sin, then your inclination and disposition is to yield, even if he does it with a bad attitude. So number four was respectful submission is not absolute submission. It must be said clearly. Fifth, Respectful submission is hard. Uh, Rebecca Merkel, who um, is Douglas Wilson's daughter, has a brilliant book called Even Exile. I was listening to a talk from her and she says this. Um, it's not a quote for the screen, but she says, if you aren't terrified of this command, you probably don't understand it. Um, she says that often the feminists really understand this command because they know what it means. They know what submission means. They're like, I hate that. That's terrible. But sometimes complementarian women don't really understand the full breadth of what Paul is commanding and what God is commanding here. 
And so they're not afraid of it. And so if there isn't a part of you which is kind of a little bit terrified, maybe you're not really understanding what this command actually means in practice. Um, this command is hard. I began at the beginning by talking about dying to self. Ladies, submitting to your husband will feel like death because it is. It's part of your submission to the Lord Jesus Christ to lay down your life and to take up your cross instead. And so if you find submission hard, you're probably on the right side of submission because it ought to be difficult. Because it's hard and terrifying to lay your life down at the foot of someone else and say, lead me. Your preferences, your will, your desire, your vision, your leadership, I submit it to you. I'm following you. This takes humility. This takes being full of the Holy Spirit because it is hard and there's no way of getting around it. It is dying to self. But in that dying to self, in that submission, in that laying down and self-denial, that is where true life comes. The life doesn't come by jettisoning the parachute and jumping free. It comes by holding it on and experiencing the, the uncomfortability of it. But over time, God promises that that is what leads to a flourishing and fruitful family. And know this, as you submit more and more unto your husband, and rather than taking the lead and filling the gaps, as you leave the gaps open, um, husbands will start to see them. You know, husband, like myself, I'm pretty terrible when it comes to a lot of things, but when Maddie fills every single gap, I can't see that something needs to be done. And guys like to get things done. And so wives, if you're looking going, man, if I just submit and leave gaps in our house and in our family, that family's going to fall apart. Well, it may for a time, but over time, if you stop plugging the gaps, by God's grace, hopefully your husband will see the holes and go, whoa, I really need to step up and lead here. Because the whole time, if you fill every gap, he doesn't see his responsibility and need to do it. And so there's an actually an opportunity here, and we'll get to that more next week. And finally, so that was respectful submission is hard. It feels like death. Number six, respectful submission is a goal to work towards. You're not going to get this down pat by Tuesday. Um, it, it's a constant daily self-sacrifice. And ladies, you need each other's help. Hence why Paul says in Titus 2, the older women are to train the younger women to love their husbands and children and to be submissive to their own husbands. You have to be taught. You need accountability. You need fellowship. You need camaraderie. You need repentance. You need con confession of sin. And this needs to be a category that you ladies continually talk about. Because if you don't, you're missing out on the flourishing that God has for you in your family. You're missing out on God's best. And so if you are feeling like, I am just such a failure in this, can I encourage you? Be quick to repent to Jesus and experience his grace for all of your failure. And be quick to confess to your husband, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was unsubmissive. I was arrogant. I was foolish in that. Will you please forgive me? And as you experience the humility and grace of confession, you can be set free from the guilt and the shame. You can be filled with the spirit to ready to go again and have another go at respectfully submitting. It's a goal to work towards. 
And as I said at the beginning, um, single ladies, it's a goal for you to work towards. As you are hoping, praying, thinking, potentially maybe one day you'll be married, well, now you can see the pattern and, and the design of what you're going to be walking into and be thinking, how can I live like that? How can I die to self and live for Christ? It also helps you to see with potential prospective husbands, is this a man that I would want to obey Ephesians 5, 22 to 24 with? Would I want to lay down my life at his feet and say, you lead me and I will follow you wherever you go? For single guys, um, this is a helpful way for you to see, okay, this is what my wife would be called to do if I was to marry to her. Am I the kind of guy that I would encourage a wife to submit to? And you can start to, by God's grace, step up and man up and start looking like, oh man, if this is the responsibility that my wife has to me, I better be a good leader and a good head in this. And for married husbands, this is a goal for you as well. Because as you look and see the high calling and sacrificial calling that your wife is meant to make in respectful submission to you, you ought to be terrified. You ought to be terrified because you are holding an incredibly precious and fragile gift. The life of a dear bride that was given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ to love and to cherish and to nourish. And so you, my brothers, we have a, a massive responsibility to take this gift of submission that our, that our wives give us and to steward it for God's glory, not to fumble it and never to abuse it. And wives, if your husband ever uses this verse to abuse you or to take advantage of you, then you come and you bring them to me and I will deal with it. And let me say that clearly and sternly because there is no room in here, as we'll see next week, for any abuse of this. This is a gift, husbands. Steward it well. So, all right, I get emotional there because I just think it is such a beautiful thing that I want to see cultivated and flourish in the families of our church. So wives, I know it's been long, but let me ask you this. Are you a submissive wife? Does that characterize you? And I, I joyfully know that it does for many. Do you give respect to your husband in your heart, in your head, in your face, in your body language? Because wives, as we've seen today, you are called to embrace respectful submission and to put that into practice to your own husband, as to the Lord, in everything, with respect for his glory, for the glory of Jesus alone. And let me finish here. Sisters, you are not alone in submitting to an equal. Your job is not to submit to your superior. No, no. You are equal to your husband in dignity, value, and worth. But you are called to submit to him. And you are not alone in submitting to an equal because the Lord Jesus Christ has gone before you submitting to the will of the Father. He is equal and supreme with God the Father, yet he submitted his will completely under his. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 2. It may be an encouragement, may be an example, and a model to you of what it looks like to die to self and to see what the glory and the amazing thing God can get done through that process. Philippians 2, 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Wives, you follow your Savior who submitted to an equal and who laid down his life for the good of his bride. And you get to pattern and image that in your life. You get the privilege of being like Jesus, submitting to the Father. You get the privilege of laying down your life for the good of your family. You get the privilege of representing to your husband and to the world this concentrated picture of glory, the death of Jesus Christ. And one day you will flourish and your family will flourish just as he rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father and has more glory than ever. If you follow his example and you submit unto your husband as to the Lord respectfully, you will be a part of imaging that glorious picture and you too will receive the crown of glory with the well done, good and faithful servant. So sisters, may I encourage you, take upon this, embrace this as God's best for you. And my prayer is that as a church and as families, we will see flourishing as a result. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I pray and ask that you would bless our families, that even as we take upon restriction and take upon limiting our freedom, as we take the jump, as wives take the jump out of the plane, may they float, may they soar, may they experience the flourishing as they die to self and live to you. And God, I pray for the husbands. Would you help us to lead well, to steward that precious gift for your glory? Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would do this. We cannot do it on our own. Wives cannot do this on their own. No one can. And so, Lord, would you help us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.